Live from Gross Point, Michigan, it's time for the number one radio show in the private service industry, where private service professionals can discuss topics that pertain to their industry. And now, here is your host, Dima National President, Matthew Hack. Hello and welcome back to another edition of DEMA Live, a radio show for the private service industry. I'm your host, Matthew Hack, and today I'm joined by my special co-host, private service professional, DJ Haverkamp. This week's guest is Roger Kushwa, the DEMA New York Tri-City Chapter President and Estate Manager. And today we're going to be doing a special show uh, called the Private Service Corner, where we have a private service professional come on the show and talk about some of the things that they have implemented in their job to make them be more successful. So today we're going to be talking about email etiquette. And with that being said, DJ, this was uh, your topic idea for the show. So I'm going to go ahead and let you lead in regarding to the introduction of this topic and our guest. Hi, Matt. Great to uh, to touch base with you again today. The uh, The email etiquette topic came up as a result of the Tri-City chapter meeting that was held back in January where uh, Roger, our guest today, implemented the private service corner. And we talked about email etiquette at that meeting, and it was really a great discussion that we had. And after the meeting, it really got me thinking about the nature of communication. And as as many of you know, I'm a big fan of Downton Abbey. And when you think back to the era of Downton Abbey, one of the big things that was really exciting during their day was when they received a letter in the mail, simply a a written letter. And when we reflect back over the last hundred years in the evolution of, of communication from the implementation of the telegraph and then effectively when the telephone became a part of communication and now over the past 20 to 25 years with the implementation of electronic mail, it's been just really amazing to see how communication has changed over the years. So our guest today is our chapter president from the, the New York area, uh, Roger Kushwa, and so we want to introduce him and welcome him to the show. Well, thank you, Matt and DJ. It's a pleasure to be here, and I, I appreciate you giving me this opportunity. Well, you're absolutely welcome, Roger. It's always uh, it's always fun to have you on the show. Our uh, I know uh, our relationship goes back a few years, so it's exciting to finally be able to have you on the show. Um, obviously, you know this is a topic that's very near and dear to you. Um, you know what some people might not know about you is that you are a former Marine, and um, you know one of the things that we learned uh, early on as Marines is obviously the importance of communication, and um, and so. When you came to me and, and said you wanted to do a private service professional corner for the New York chapter, it was uh, exciting for me. And then the topic uh, really fit and, and fell in. So I wanted to kind of get a feel from you. Why did you? Why do you feel that this is such an important topic for for our industry? Well, it it sets an email is usually the first communication that we have between people. I know uh, as a tri-state chapter president. When I find out about new members joining the chapter or there are people who are reaching out who are interested in learning more about the the chapter and DEMA, the first thing I get is an email. Uh, I can't think of a single time I've gotten a phone call. It's always by email. And that is the most used form of initial contact. 
And that is what sets my impression of the person who's emailing me or contacting me. And my response is going to be their first impression of me. And I want that first impression to be a good one. And I look at some of the emails that I get from people in in the private service industry, and I look at emails that I get from people who are outside of the private service industry, vendors or um, job applicants. And it just really blows my mind the lack of attention to detail that people show in emails. And that email is a picture of you, and that's how I'm going to judge you. Yeah, Roger, that's that's really, really insightful. Um, and as you're communicating in your role, you, you, have, you wear a lot of different hats in the course of your day because I'm sure that as you're dealing with your principal, as you're dealing with other chapter members, as you're dealing with potential new chapter members, as you're dealing with vendors and new potential vendor members for our organization, you have a lot of different places that you have to communicate from. And I guess I was just wondering, as you as you reflect on the nature of communicating in general, what are some of the, the, the thoughts that you think about as you're, like, conveying messages between yourself and, and those different parties that you talk with and communicate with? The thing that I always start off with, DJ, is who is my audience? Who am I writing this email to? Uh, an email that I would write to you or to Matt or to one of the other chapter board members might be more familiar and less formal than something that I would write to a prospective member, someone asking. You know, when I deal with situations and issues for my principal, when you look at the social and economic level that they are at and the people that they deal with, and oftentimes when we are talking to their associates or businesses that deal with them, we are representing our principals. And I don't think that my principal would be happy knowing that I was representing him in a less than my best performance. And and that would cover grammar and language, detail, and things like that. So the first mm-hmm. and most important thing is, is that audience and who am I writing to? Well, I think, and I think to to add on to that, I mean, we one of the one of the fun things for for us at, at, at DEMA National Headquarters is we're really starting to get more of our board members involved. And so when when DJ uh, was approached to be part of the show, he's really taken it to heart, and he helped us uh, create the email etiquette guide. And um, that'll be available on the website. You can uh, be able to download that and use this as a guide when writing emails. But um, one of the cool things within that was a quote from Dale Carnegie. And I thought it was a great quote, so I wanted to bring it up here and then ask you both a question. So with that being said, Dale Carnegie said, there are four ways and only four ways in which we have contact with the world. We are evaluated and classified by these four contacts, and they are what we do, how we look, what we say, and how we say it. So my question for both of you who are currently serving in the industry is, why do you feel this quote is important in understanding how to communicate via email? Well, Matt, I I think that it really reflects on the nature of how 
we as individuals and as humans interact and communicate with other others. And if you look at the four different components, he says they're what we do, how we look, what we say, and how we say it. And it's interesting because the show we did two or three weeks ago on the suits really reflects on how we look because we were talking then about how people make judgments about us by how we dress. And I think that's a very important part of, of this whole process. But the way we look is one thing and the way we speak and the way that we communicate is certainly another. And in the way we say things and what we say really comes down to who we are as a person on the inside. And if, if we have integrity and if we have a, a sense of purpose and a sense of responsibility, that will be really reflected by what we say. And the email is just a component or just one of the ways that we communicate and say things to one another. So I think that it just really brings to the heart of, of, what, it is, of, of what our discussion today is about. And, DJ, I only caught the last bit of that. I hope you can hear me. Yep, we got you. Okay. Uh, I got dropped in the middle, of, right at the beginning of DJ's response, and I, I apologize about that. Um, I didn't catch everything that he said. But, That's all right. You know, I think it goes back to what I had shared when you, when you asked me the question about how email is, is that oftentimes this email is the very first picture that someone has of me as a, a private service professional, as me, of me as a manager. Uh, as a person who takes care of another person's home possessions, staff, and and it sets the tone. And I think it also uh, brings about a certain level of dignity and respect for the position that I have and, and that we have. And this is why I think it's so important to always put your best foot forward. And if I'm ever going to make a mistake, I hope I make a mistake by being too formal rather than not formal enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Roger, I, I, I really agree with that. And I think one of the things that the Domestic Estate Management Association is really trying to do is is bring about a sense of professionalism to the folks who work in our industry. And I know that professionalism carries with it a lot of different ideas, but one of them is just, like you said, how we, how we represent ourselves to other people. And so I was just wondering, as we craft an email, maybe what are some of the areas, like just even as we, well, let's break it down into some of the different parts of an email that we might want to look at. And maybe we start with the subject line. If you're crafting an email to someone how do you how do you think about your subject line when you're when you're first setting up your email? Well, I go back to you know who is my audience and what am I trying to accomplish? If I am talking with the city engineering department about a bridge project, then you know it's going to relate to the bridge, and I try to give them in the subject line enough information to know what the email is about i.e., you know, would use the specific address of the bridge or the name of the bridge. And this way, when a person is going through, because everybody prioritizes how they answer and how they read emails, and that subject line, you know, to be too short, I think, is almost as detrimental as being too long. And let the person that you're writing know in a quick synopsis 
okay, this deals with the 2015 budget or, you know, January's T&Ls for 2016, something of that nature that lets them know what it deals with, but it's short enough that, you know, they can look at it and it can be in, you know, anywhere from two to five words. Okay. Well, I think that's that's one of the main things, right, is you want people to be able to understand and recognize the importance of the email that you're sending. Um, and with that being said, Roger, you know, I think uh, one of the one of the things that we've all uh, been a part of are, are these infamous chain emails where uh, where we've got, you know, 15 different people that are on the email, right? And it yep. starts off, uh, and, and the subject line is, uh, looking to have a uh, uh, looking to have a party at my house. Um, let me know if you can make it. And then uh, and then all of a sudden you get an email back, and it's attached to the entire group, right? So it's a reply all, and it says, "Yeah, let's go get a beer." And so then I reply and I say, "Absolutely. When do you want to go get a beer, Roger?" And then you say, "Well, actually, that email was supposed to go to DJ. I don't want to have a beer with you, Matt." So uh, <laughs> that's just an idea of how things can go awry, right? When when using the the uh, the, the different headers, uh, whether it's the two, the two, the courtesy copy or the blind courtesy copy, um, you know, and, and when you're replying to emails. So can you address? How? What are the proper ways to use the two, the CC, and then the BCC? Well, the and and I'm going to use you and I, Matt, as our as my example. I have had the pleasure of introducing you to a number of people that I have had the pleasure of meeting in the last couple of weeks who are interested in DEMA. And when I do the two, I want it to go because I'm inter, introducing person A to you. So I put both of your names in the two. Now, I will put uh, Beth at the national office, I put her in the CC. And that's just because she needs to know what is going on. It's not addressed to her. It's a courtesy. she needs to be aware. Exactly. And she needs to be aware <laughs> because she helps with your, your calendar and, and Mike's calendar and whatnot. And so, you know, I do that. And that way she knows also that she's not necessarily expected to respond. Now, if she sees something that we've missed, then by all means I want her to let us know or to let me know. But uh, And then the one that really catches people and uh, gets folks in trouble is the blind copy. And I've used the blind copy before, and I want to let a person know uh, let's use DJ, you, and myself. And let's say that um, you and I are having having an issue and I'm going to send you an email. But I want DJ to know what the email said, but I don't want you to know that DJ knows. So I send it addressed to you and I blind copy DJ. Well, you don't know that DJ got the email. Now, DJ, unfortunately, um, and maybe this wasn't such a good idea, but let's say that you were super, super busy and you just hit reply or reply all. And I think it works with reply all. I don't know. I don't think yeah. it works with reply. But you no, respond No, if you hit reply, if you hit reply, it'll only go to that person. But if you hit reply all, it goes to everyone. Okay. 
And so that, that's what I thought, but I, I'd use it so infrequently that I, I wasn't sure. And so now you suddenly know that DJ got the email and knows, and then it's like, well, Roger, why did you blind copy DJ? Why didn't you tell me? And, and you know, I've, I've had embarrassing situations happen in corporate America with that, where we'd be dealing with a, and usually it was with an HR situation. And, uh, but yeah, you really have to be careful. And oftentimes if I blind copy someone on it, I will send them, the person I'm blind copying a separate email saying, I am blind copying you on this email. Do not reply all. So do you think that that's more, do you think that's more on the sender to let their, their, their listeners know or their readers know that, hey, listen, I'm, I'm BCCing you on this, please don't reply? Or do you think it's up to the person to, to really uh, spend, spend some attention when they're reading the emails? Or do you think it's kind of on both parties to, to just be up, on the, uh, up and up and, and make sure you're communicating the right way? I, I think it's on both parties because we're all very busy and we all get a tremendous amount of emails. Uh, I looked through and counted, and last year I answered over 840, 840 emails for DEMA alone in the year. And, you know, those were, that did not count the chain emails where, you know, there were 11 emails going on in a topic. Right. And so, you know, I was probably closer to 1,000 emails. I'm sure you probably get 10 times that, Matt. And sometimes I, I don't even count busy, anymore. <laughs> yeah, when we're busy, we we don't pay because blind copying is not a real common occurrence. At least I don't think. And so, you know, I, I do that because I don't want someone to get in the groove of answering emails. They read something and they fire back a response. Right. Uh, and so I, I think it, it comes to both because let's face it: if you're on your iPhone and you're answering, you see an email you may not pick up that you were BC'd on it. And sure. I, I just always like to cover my bases if I'm going to do that. Well, and there can be some real damage done, too, if if someone uh, is not paying attention and, you know, something something of ill will is said. Not that anyone would ever do that in an email or anything like that. But um, <laughs> anyways, no. you know, yeah. I... <laughs> Is, is there um, is there a rule of thumb that, that either one of you guys follow as far as a timeline uh, when replying to an email? And on that topic, at what point is it okay to just, I don't know, re- reply to an email quickly and say, Roger that, um, you know, if someone's giving you just the date and time on where to meet, you know, is that the appropriate response? So I guess start. let's start with the uh, – um, the rule of thumb as far as timeline to respond to an email, and then uh, at what point is it res- is it appropriate to just respond quickly? DJ, do you want to take that? I can, sure. Roger knows that I'm not the best at getting back on email sometimes, and I actually, as I put together the etiquette guide for this, have really been trying to take to heart what we put in the guide But in the guide, basically what we are saying is that it's appropriate to have a 48-hour window of time from the time that you receive an email to the time that you would send an email back, and that works and vice versa. So by the time that if you send someone an email, don't necessarily expect a reply instantaneously because a lot of people don't sit at their computers and aren't ready to just send off a, a reply to an email right away. 
So the the general kind of rule of thumb is that to give like a two day window of time from the time you send an email until a reply is necessarily received. If you need to get the information or need to get a reply sooner than that, then it's probably better to just pick up the phone and call the person directly and try to get information that way. So I've been trying to use that as kind of my basic guide. One thing I will say though is with the onset of texting, I think we also at some point may need to discuss whether or not texting and email kind of collide because sometimes I've been getting texts sent to me that are almost like an email that someone expects me to reply instantly just the way you would send a text message. So I think the the rules of etiquette are really still being kind of worked out with regard to this topic. Yeah, I, I agree. And as far as, you know, replying quickly to, you know, if someone, to use your example, sets up a meeting, Matt, and you just reply back, you know, roger that or whatever, I think a lot of it here, again, goes back to what is your relationship with the person. Uh, when you come to town, Matt, if I, if I schedule something for you and I and I tell you we have a reservation at a restaurant at a certain time, I have no problem with you replying back, roger that, or okay, or no problem, or see you then. However, if you and I had never met and I told you that I had set up a, a reservation for dinner at this restaurant for this time, then I would expect you to say, thank you very much. I look forward to seeing you there. I have it in my calendar and, you know, look forward to seeing you at that time. So I, here again, I think it goes back to the relationship and the audience that you're talking to. That's awesome. That's such a good response, and, and it's such a good example of how uh, how you can how you can get too uh, uh, too comfortable with uh, with doing emails with, with specific individuals. Because I know that we did just have that situation happen, and I don't think I thanked you for that for setting that up, Roger. So let me thank you now while we're on the air. Okay. <laughs> you are you are quite welcome, sir. Um, hey guys, we're about halfway through the show here, so I, I need to get this out here, uh, and, and let's try to get some. Uh, hopefully, we can get some participation uh, on the show today with any questions that any of our listeners might have, whether they're listening via phone or they're listening uh, online. So, if you are listening via phone, um, all you need to do is press the number one. Um, that will let us know, our call screener know that you're interested in a question uh, for the for the group here. And uh, if you're listening via a device or electronically, uh, you can go ahead and either uh, text your questions to 313-404-3998. Once again, that number to text to is 313-404-3998. Or you can post them live on Facebook, or you can tweet them at hashtag DemaLive. So uh, looking forward to get some, uh, hopefully getting some feedback from people. Um, and uh, want to uh, see what everybody's uh, thoughts are regarding this topic. So continuing on, um, you know, obviously, uh, uh, DJ, I think that, that you've got, uh, you've been dealing with, uh, with with quite a few people, um, and, you know, I, I wanted you to kind of go over the, the handle this next question with Roger. So if you can go ahead and, 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 and continue the discussion. Sure, Matt. I think, uh, well, like you said, dealing with a lot of people, one of the things that we all have to deal with in in dealing with our email and our email etiquette is just how much of a demand there is to really keep up with email. And I know that that's a big part of what causes 
sometimes the problem is we just have 20 minutes and we need to answer 50 emails and it becomes a real time crunch. And to try to maintain that professionalism and take the time to do a well-crafted email, it, it can be pretty demanding and it can be, it can put the pressure on us as, as professionals. So I guess maybe the thing that I was thinking maybe we could talk about a little bit, Roger, is just as we're crafting the body of our email and we're we're really starting to develop the the content in the email. What are some of the things that that you're looking for as you're as you're putting together your emails? One of the things, and and working for my current principal has taught me this. He is the king of very brief emails. Uh, Matt hinted to my background in the Marine Corps, which is very detailed, very communication heavy. I was then in law enforcement for two and a half years, and there might be a period of six months to 18 months before that case goes to trial. And, you know, here you are 18 months later, and there's an attorney sitting there asking you, well, what exactly happened? And so when I wrote write those reports and wrote those reports, I had to be very, very detailed. And I noticed that when I started here uh, two years ago that I was just overloading them with all of this information. And so oftentimes it takes me sometimes hours to write an email because I can start it, I get interrupted, you have to go do something. I've gotten to the point now I don't even put the greeting in until I'm ready to send it because I don't know whether it's still morning or afternoon or evening. But uh, making sure that it is concise. And I think that that shows that I respect the person's time who's having to read it. Everybody is busy, and I don't want someone to feel like, well, here comes a three-page novel from Roger. You know, I'll save this till I don't have anything to do, and I can sit and concentrate. Uh, So, you know, it's getting across what I want to say, what's important, and what needs to be addressed. Yeah, that's great, Roger. And and you know, one of the things too that I I oftentimes have to deal with are sometimes when I uh, when I receive an email, it will be from someone who has uh, just picked up my name or my email address from some old email chain, perhaps that that has nothing <laughs> to do with the the current topic. And yeah. I I'm just. I just wanted to make a note and see if you've ever dealt with that or had that kind of an experience. I have. In your, in and your, yeah. Yeah, I, I have. And it's very confusing because you look at the subject line and you think that's what we're dealing with. And then I open it and it has absolutely nothing to do with that. It's just like the illustration that Matt used. You know, I'm going to have a party and he's wanting to know if we want to go out and have a beer. And, It's very confusing, and I I think people do that because I don't want to say that it's lazy, but maybe there's a group of people, and I have groups set up in my email address. Uh, I have a, you know, a DEMA board group, so I don't have to go in and manually add everybody's name on the two line. I can just hit the group, and it's there. And I Mm -hmm. do that for the people that I email on a regular basis. And I think sometimes that people use those chain emails as an easy way to address another topic. And it really is confusing because I may think that we've already discussed it and arrived at the decision, 
and it may be a while before I read that, and then I've missed something or caused undue hardship for someone. Yeah, well, and I, I really, I, I'm right there with you because what this really does, and it gets back to what your, what our initial discussion was about the Carnegie quote. This is really reflecting on how other people will look at us, and I think for our members to be thinking about some of these points as they're sitting at their computer and crafting their emails is is a really important thing to to kind of think about in their developing their professionalism of their of their skill. So related to that, one of the things that I kind of struggle with sometimes is how best to address someone when you're first. Uh, uh, sending an email to someone who maybe you just haven't really developed a relationship with or if if there are any or haven't really gotten to know but you still have communication or issues that you want to discuss with them. So I guess maybe I thought you could address for us how formal or informal or how best to uh, deal with first names and the way that we, we do salutations and, and just intros to our emails. Well, and that's a great question. And here again, I think it comes back to the person's position. Uh, when I introduce the president or CEO of a company, especially for the first time, I usually Mr. or Mrs. and whatever their name is or Ms. Um, if it's someone that is further down within the organization, oftentimes I will just use their first and last name. If it's somebody I've met brand new, uh, then oftentimes I will call them Mr. or Mrs. or Ms. And I see how they respond back to me and how they close. And usually if they respond back to me by their first name and they sign off with their first name, then I take that as, okay, they have accepted my offered hand. We are now at a first name uh a first name or a more relaxed greeting in that. Uh, but then again, you know, I always come back to a thing that a pastor of mine said years and years and years ago, said that, you know, when you're in doubt, do without. You can never go wrong being too formal. And the last thing you want to do is offend someone by making the mistake that your relationship is further along than they think it is. And so, you know, when in doubt, I always try to be more formal and less informal. Yeah, that's great. That's great, Roger. And I, I think you mentioned this earlier when you were talking about the the uh, emails you were crafting with regard to the lawyer. But I think one thing that's really important for our members to also be thinking about is how the email becomes a permanent record and that anything that gets said on an email can sometimes uh, either come back to haunt us, but it is part of a permanent record, and I think sometimes we can forget that. And I was wondering if you have any thoughts on that. Absolutely. Uh, when, you know, at our January meeting when I was going over the email etiquette there in, in uh, at the beginning of the meeting, you're absolutely right. This is always and forever, and this is, a written record that will always reflect how you were at that moment in time and what your response was. And it's just like the pictures on Facebook and other social media sites. 
Once you post that picture, it is out there. You are not going to get it back. And once you hit send, you can't get it back. Now, I know Google has a thing that, you know, they'll give you two or three or five seconds or whatever to retrieve that message. I've never used it. I don't know how well it works, but I would not want to chance it because knowing how things usually go for me, that would be the one time that it wouldn't work and I hit send too soon. Uh, the precursor to that, of course, is I never send anything when I'm angry or upset or bothered. Um, and sometimes it has taken me days to send an email. It took me that long to get it crafted in such a way that it wasn't going to be hurtful or seen as argumentative. And I've had multiple people read them. And, you know, here again, once you hit send, you can't call that back. And something you say in the heat of the moment will come back and can come back and usually will come back and haunt you for a long time. And it was funny because after that night, I had someone who actually sent me an email, and they said, you know, I was sitting there, I got a text message, and it made me angry, and I wrote this response, and I was getting ready to hit send, and I thought about it, and I didn't do it. And mm. I, I thought that was great that, you know, Take time, reflect, think, read through it. Let other people read it. See how it comes across. And, you know, I think sometimes we're shocked at how our words come across because when we write the email, we know what we're thinking. But when I'm reading it, I don't know what you were thinking, and I can put any tone I want in there. And it may have be completely opposite from what you intended. And so I think we have to be very, very careful about how we write and what we send. Well, I think I think you've done a great job of that, Roger. To be honest with you, I think you're one of the uh, one of the one of the people that I know directly, um, you know, off the cuff here talking about the subject that is um, that is able to to reach out. I mean, you've done it with Mike and I both, where you know you want to send out a a response to a member, uh, and and you'll send the email to us to review <laughs> first. And, and and there's yep. nothing wrong with that. I think that, you know, being able to do that allows to have an outside perspective of what people are going to feel or how they're going to read that email. Um, you know, when I was doing the write-up for this uh, for this show, I put on there, I can't believe you did that. And it was all caps with an exclamation mark. And that can be, you know, that, that can be that can be taken in so many different contexts, right? That can be a great job. That can be... I'm really upset with you that you did that. Um, yeah. It could just be someone accidentally pressing the caps button and they're typing a, a statement. So, yep. um, you know, I think it's really important to be able to use people that are around you as well to be able to review some of those questions um, uh, and those emails before you make a uh, uh, to, to make any um, to make any statements like that. But one thing I did want to touch on with you, Roger, is one of the things that drives me crazy, and it might be because of what I do uh, here for the association, but is when I receive an email without a proper signature, um, can you talk about mm -hmm. some of the things that you feel should be included in a signature line of an email? Um, and if people don't know how to do a signature, this is something that DEMA can help you guys with. Um, it's not hard to do. It just depends on whatever settings you have on your, um, you know, depending on what, what you're using as your server for your emails. But um, can you talk right. a little bit about what you would include or what you do include on your emails uh, from a signature standpoint? 
certainly. Uh, I, and, and it's very, very important because I've received emails and want to reach out to someone via phone. They don't have a phone number. Uh, they don't have their last name. And so on my, on my signatures, I have one that I use for the, the estate, the family that I work for. I have one being the tri-state chapter president that has that. And I have my first name and my last name. Uh, on the tri-state chapter, I have my position, which is a state manager. And then under that, I have New York Tri-State Chapter President. I then have my cell phone number. I've had people say, well, you ought to put your email address. I think that that's kind of a, a debate. Um, it's a best practice, whatever suits you. And then if I have an office number, I'll put an office number or an alternate means of um, communicating or getting in touch with me. I've seen people who will put their, they have a personal website, they'll put their website or they'll put um, a social media tag. DJ will tell you I am social media illiterate. I, I don't Facebook, I don't Twitter, I don't uh, Pinterest, I, I don't have all of these things. I, I'm not familiar with them and to be quite honest, I'm so old that I'm a little uncomfortable with them. <laughs> but, you know, and so definitely your first and last name, your title, and a phone, at least one phone number, and usually, you know, would prefer a cell because everybody has their cell. And and so those are what I, I have in my signatures. Okay. That's great. Um, I know, you know, I'll go over I'll go over kind of what, what, what I have in my signature line. Doesn't mean that we're right or wrong by any means, but um, you know, to kind of piggyback off of what you're saying, Roger, I do have uh I have my name, my first and last name formally. Uh I don't have Matt Hack, I have Matthew Hack on there. Um I have my job title. I think that that's extremely important to know who you're who you're dealing with, you know, are you the marketing director? Right. You know, are you the estate manager? Are you the house manager? Um, or if you just want to put private service professional, that's fine too. Um, yeah. And then the name of the company that I work for is on there. Uh, and then I have our website. I have our office number, our cell, and a fax number. And then obviously I have a confidentiality yeah. confidentiality notice on there because I want people to understand that you know if they do email me something, I'm not going to turn around and I'm going to post it you know on uh, on the internet now. It's just the statement right. that's on there, but it doesn't, you know. Hopefully, it, it makes everyone realize, you know, that we're that we're being professional. Um, right. You know, as far as the email address goes, I would hope that people can pull the email address off of uh, uh, off of the email that's sent. <laughs> so, you know, well, if, you're, if you are sending yeah, that, I agree but the reason you. that I feel that's important uh, from my perspective is I do a lot of phone calls and I do a lot of outside the office business meetings, right? And so for me, when I'm adding into my calendar that I'm going to have a meeting, so let's say, Roger, you and I or, or you and I, DJ, are going to have a meeting, right? If I want to take all your information and post it, so I'll put meeting with Roger Kushwa, and then I'll put the location that we're meeting, and then down in the notes section, I'll take all your contact info that you have in your signature line, and I'll cut and paste gotcha. it into the notes section. And what that does yeah. for me is it allows me, so if I'm running late for a meeting, or let's say I get to the meeting and you're not there yet, I have all your contact info right there. I don't have to go back through my emails and search and find your stuff. It's right there. So yeah. it's kind of a, 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 a way to easily 
transfer contact information as well. Um, so that's why I think it's really important to, to have a proper signature on, on your emails. What do you think, DJ? That's great. Yeah, that's, that's really great, Matt. And, you know, our etiquette guide that we're going to have, it, we included some information about avoiding uh, having spam kick your, your email to the spam box when because sometimes the signature, depending on the way you format your signature block, can cause an email to go into spam. So we do have some information about how to keep that from happening in our guide. So there's some additional information with regard to signatures in that guide that people will find helpful, I think, as well. See, I okay. think that was great uh, information because now I'm going to go and put my email address so that way when you're late, you'll have it in contact. Oh, see, whatever. <laughs> that's that's ridiculous right there. All right, no. so before we end, we have four minutes left. Are you ready, Roger? This is like I'm the ready. lightning speed round here here on Dima Live, okay? I have one more topic that I have to address. Otherwise, we'd be completely missing it. It's the white elephant in the room. I want you to address the topic of writing in bold letters, colored font, and capitalization. Ready? Go. All right. Capitalization is screaming and yelling. Uh, here again, know your audience. Sometimes, Matt, I've written to you, and I've probably put a word uh, in all caps, and that's for emphasis. Exclamation points is yelling that word. Um, but here again, knowing your audience, you know, I, I'll write DJ things that I wouldn't necessarily write the president of a company or my principal. And so I think it's knowing your audience and, and your familiarity and your level of comfort with that person and being able to, to use those. In a formal setting, absolutely not. You know, I use very basic, uh, I think the aerial font, uh, black lettering, uh, bolding is is almost the same as, as all caps, and it, it's yelling, and nobody wants to be yelled at, and this is why it's so careful to watch what you write and how you write it, and make sure that you never, ever, ever write anything when you're angry or upset, because that will get you in trouble. How so that? are you saying you put yourself on a 24-hour uh, probation period whenever you read an email that upsets you? <laughs> At least 24 hours, and sometimes I've taken as long as five days to answer an email. Wow. Uh, and I probably rewrote that email about eight times in five do you, days. Do you let that person know, hey, this email really upset me. It's going to take me about five days to respond? Sometimes I do. Uh, this situation <laughs> involved a college professor, and uh, we were in class, and, and so uh, – you know, he it wasn't an email. It was something he said, and uh, it took me five days. And, and fortunately, he responded in a very appropriate manner, and he was sorry for what he had done, and he apologized. And I think that that was because I didn't fire back that angry email. And, yep. you know, I, I had multiple people read it. And I ended up staying in the class, and, and we had a great relationship. And so Excellent. sometimes that response, can make all the difference in the world. And so you definitely right. need to take your time. Roger, listen, I'm really, uh, really happy that we had you on the show. DJ, thanks for your participation. As always, you, you have a great knack at keeping things flowing. Um, this has been a great introduction to the Private Service Corner. We will be doing more here in the near future. Uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, if you'd like to get a copy of the email etiquette guide, please email info at domesticmanagers.com. That way you can get that directly. We'll know that you listen to the show. Um, 
Obviously, I'd like to thank Roger Kushwa, all of our callers that participated with the show. Uh, as always, if you have any questions regarding how you can become more involved in your local chapter of DEMA or any questions about the private service industry, please feel free to contact us at info at domesticmanagers.com. We're excited to announce that we will be back on air in two weeks, which will be Wednesday, March 2nd, when we'll be joined by Eric Dobson of Angel Capital Investing Group. This show will air at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. As always, I've been your host, Matthew Hack, and I look forward to talking with you all again in a couple of weeks. Thank you, Matt.